I'm on the deck of the, the Titanic and I start hearing something. Ten years after the launch of the original, oh, Titanic 3 will set sail in just a few hours on the same path as her namesake. Oh my god, look at this ship! It's on your life. Okay, I'm gonna be the time of my life. Ah! We have cosplayers, mediums, relatives, and as you know, priceless relics from the original Titanic disaster. Full throttle. Full throttle. To the best crew on the Atlantic! We are in open water! Half of the White Star Lines, we'd like to welcome you aboard this maiden voyage of Titanic 3. So you thought you could just steal these from their final resting place? I preserved them so their memories can live on. I bet you're going to want to know what hidden treasures are around here. What is she doing? I call on you, you spirits! How long has this been happening? You are on hallowed water and you have desecrated it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike and joining me as always is Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? Greetings and salutations, Celine Dion fans. Well, Mike, will your heart go on? Hmm? <laughs> I certainly hope so. Uh, I would hope that my heart has more to give. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you caught me off guard with that question. At first I was right? like, huh? And then I was like, oh, yeah, I get the reference now, obviously. Um, I mean, I, we, I, we just spent three hours with Leo and Rose. I mean, how that I, I watched the right movie, right? Pretty sure. Yeah. yeah we're good. Oh, wait, yeah. hold on. Was it wait? Was this one supposed to be in black and white? Because I think I, I may have watched the wrong one. Oh, boy. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, well, it, it's something about a ship crashing into an iceberg, right? I should be fine. Just basically going off of that, right? Oh, I, I think we're good. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Don, what's up? Since you kind of introduced yourself there. <laughs> yeah, what's going on, everyone? Yeah, always fun to be here. <laughs> All right, and then we have a surprise guest, first guest in a while. You should be familiar with this individual. He does shows with all of us, um, and that would be Derek. What's up, Derek? How are you? I'm good, Michael. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I if I'm thinking that was Shawn Michaels' <laughs> intro music or ring. It was. Music. It was. That's a, nice. that's a way inside joke, folks. Way inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of inside, I guess I guess we can get inside our movie for tonight. Um. It well, is called. We should at least buy dinner first. I mean, if we're going to be that that up upfront about it. Not really. I ain't buying this movie shit. I'll tell you that much right now. Wow. Um, 
Titanic six six six. It is a it's a two B original. Like they made it, or is it just they bought the rights? Because I think they funded it. I mean, yeah, it says two B original. That's probably their production company. No, it's an okay. asylum film, but I think I think they were the ones that provided the the funding for it because it's an mm-hmm. asylum film. Yep. Oh. Right, that's why I was questioning, just because I know Asylum like produces their own stuff, so I wasn't sure if Tubi actually like backed it or Tubi just said we'll buy the rights yeah. to play it. But yeah, I, I think they, sometimes I, it can get murky with VOD these days. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. I, I think it is that they backed it, but I I, I don't know for sure. I, I I think it is that they backed it though, just because like you said, it it says original, not exclusive or anything. Yeah. All right. Um. So. I mean, if the title itself isn't gives, doesn't give you enough explanation, and we already know what Asylum's kind of known for, so you add that with the fact that the title's called Titanic 666. I don't think it's a huge mystery, but I'll read it off anyway. Dark forces from the deep rise to the surface, terrorizing all aboard from Titanic 3, and threatens to repeat one of history's greatest disasters. Oh, man. All right. Uh, we're going to get into general thoughts, so I'll kick it over to Venom. What did you think of Titanic 666? 10 out of 10, number one of 2022. I'm done. No. Okay. Uh, seriously, though, uh, we already know when we see the the Asylum Presents, we kind of know what we're in for. Now, I, I tend to say that I don't do expectations when I go into movies, I want to rate them fairly and as objectively as possible. And I'm going to try to be objective here. <clears throat> but ultimately, the gist of my review is, is that I still enjoyed this movie. Um, I am a big fan of The Asylum. I know Don also is. I, I think Derek is. But definitely Don and I are both, you know, kind of fans and champions for The Asylum Obviously, stuff like Sharknado, Ape versus Monster, Aquarium of the Dead, uh, you know, the Giant This versus Mega That. I mean, just you know, some some definite schlock classics, if you will. Um, Mega Piranha. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, the, the multi-headed shark attack series. I mean, yeah, we all know what we're getting with the Asylum. So when I see the Asylum presents going into a movie, I am giving this thing absolutely no expectations this thing is going to be it's probably going to be garbage it's probably not going to be a very good movie and i go into into the movie with that attitude and ultimately i still had a a pretty good time with this movie now folks don't get it twisted i'm not going to sit here and say this is a good movie i'm not going to sit here and say that it's got good acting good dialogue i'm definitely not going to say it has good effects but all of it put together just I enjoyed it, and I'm, I think the biggest thing is is that I'm seeing the improvement in the Asylum's filmmaking. I know Mike is probably cringing and sinking in his chair right now hearing me say this, but I'm being serious. I, I from, from Sharknado to what I watched last night with to- the Titanic 666, the filmmaking has gotten better. The performances have gotten better. As bad as the acting in this movie is, it's head and shoulders above what we would have gotten in a Sharknado movie or any of the other classic you know, quote-unquote, classic uh, Asylum films. Uh, The effects are not good. A lot of CGI, obviously. Um, The ghosts, mm, at times, are fairly effective. At other times, are incredibly laughable. But again, you know, you, you can pretty much take every statement I make on this episode and then caveat it with for the Asylum, 
because every positive thing I'm going to say, I, I mean that it's positive for the asylum. For what? For the for the package of movies that we've gotten from them. I, I found Titanic 666 to be a slight improvement in a lot of ways. Now, is the movie good and or watchable? That's a tough one, because if you're not into these types of movies, if you're not into these schlock fests, these tongue-in-cheek, almost parody of films, especially when you're talking about something like Ape vs. Monster that came out a, a month after Godzilla vs. Kong, stuff like that, um, parody is a major part of what they do. I mean, you can't go into a movie like Zombie Tidal Wave and expect it to be serious and take it serious like it's like it's Day of the Dead. No, my friends, it, it is not. So I'm going to say and I'm going to cut my general thoughts off here and just basically say that this is a bad movie that I still had a pretty good time with. I'm seeing the improvement. I'm seeing that the asylum is learning more and more how to actually make a film. Uh, this, this story, the story of this movie was probably the most cohesive story I've ever gotten from the asylum. I mean, some of the, some of the storylines and I mean, hell, take any Sharknado movie. I mean, they, they give you almost no background. It's like, Oh, there's a tornado filled with sharks and that's it. You just have to accept it. And that's fine. Like I said, it's the asylum. I'm not looking for, you know, a, a Academy Award winning dialogue from a movie like this. I'm looking for a silly good time that doesn't infuriate me or frustrate me. And Titanic 666 did not do that to me. It did not frustrate me. I wasn't getting pissed off. I didn't cringe at any line deliveries. It was exactly what I expected from the asylum, but maybe a half a step above that even. So... All I'm going to say is this is not a good movie, but if you're a fan of the asylum, I highly recommend it just so that you can see, you know, the, the kind of improvements, at least the improvements that I'm seeing, even over Aquarium of the Dead from last year. This movie is to, to me, it's a hundred times better than Aquarium of the Dead. That was actually my worst movie of 2021. I just hated that movie as much as I love the asylum. It holds, you know, a, a very soft spot in my heart. I hated Aquarium of the Dead. I just couldn't stand it. But this movie, I had a pretty good time with. Uh, I'm sure Mike will tell you everything that's wrong with it, and that's fine because he's not wrong. But just realize that this that this movie, along with the entire catalog from The Asylum, does tend to speak to a certain kind of horror fan. And apparently, I'm that kind of horror fan. So that's it for my general thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go over to Don. What did you think of Titanic 666? So, surprise, surprise, I'm pretty much in line with Venom on this one. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I, it's still not my favorite. Um, I, I still have a couple of the uh, other Sharknado films above this one, and I would probably give one of the Mega Shark films. I want to say it's... Mecha Shark. I think that one was my favorite of that franchise. I would probably put those above this one, but um, outside of that, I, I think this is, like you said, one of the best films they've ever done. Um, I, I, I do like the story here. I think it's uh, fun enough for what it is. Uh, a lot of the uh, incidental deaths and the you know ghost interactions are better than I would expect from this kind of a film. I still think that there's a, a few small issues uh, here and there uh, you know, way too much CGI, uh, way too much of that uh, just 
utterly weird distortion effect that they do where <laughs> it just looks way too cheesy and it just kind of takes the mood out when you have a practical look that actually did work in a few scenes. Um, there's a few things like the uh, encounter in the brig where the, it, it looks like they're actually, you know, applying makeup on the actor and having them stand in the scene that looked a lot better. And uh, it kind of makes the decision to use the CGI ghost just look really distracting and off-putting but overall yeah i had a lot of fun with it uh you know it's a fun zippy time uh there's you know not much downtime at all there is one issue and it, it sort of involves a lot of the background and motivation for the ghosts and i don't know how much of a spoiler that is so i would I want to keep it uh, tight for now, but as soon as we get into spoilers, that's the first thing I want to do is discuss that because I had a lot of I had a lot of issues with uh, the motivation and the background, and I don't know how much of a spoiler it is. I mean, it is an asylum film, so I'm kind of tempted to talk about it anyway. But I mean, we're still <laughs> non-spoilers, so um, I, I do have to honor that part of the uh, discussion. So. I'll say I, I don't have crippling issues with it like I know Mike will. Um, I'm going to probably notice a lot of them once he says it just because, yeah, I know what the asylum is and I know what their uh, style of filmmaking is. So, <clears throat> yeah, like Venom said, if you know what you're getting in for, this is a lot better than what you'd think. Is this a quality film? No. Is it a fun one? Yeah. Way fun if you're into this kind of thing. If you like the asylum, you're going to have fun with this. If you don't like the asylum, you got better things to watch than trying to listen to us convince you it, it's it's otherwise. So <laughs> like we said earlier, if you're into this kind of thing, go for it. It's not it's one of the better films that they've ever done. Does that mean it's a quality one? No, but like we said, you there's still worse out there. So yeah, I'll just uh leave it at that for now. All right, let's go over to Derek. Uh, Titanic 666. It is the midsummer of this year. <laughs> it, it it engrossed me with its slow burn atmosphere. It's great acting. It's great practical effects and visual effects, for that matter. It's like a way better ghost ship. <laughs> Anyways, guys, yeah, I kind of, I, you know, I might be a little bit lower than Dawn and Venom on this one, but not by much. It, it, it's a very slow moving for me for this type of, maybe I'm more a fan of their creature features and other movies that the Asylum does. It, it, it was just a tad slow for me, but, you know, when it picked up in like the last few acts, it, you know, it got going. I was into it a little bit more, if that makes sense. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I didn't give a shit what the characters are doing either in this fucking movie, <laughs> you know? But anyways, but, you know, when it did pick up, I did like, you know, there's some uh, stuff that happened that I did like. You know, there was a great, like, without giving spoilers, there was a great throw slit. I won't say who it was. Yeah. Or, so I was Actually, like, whoa! Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. You know, I was like, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, overall, you know, for when I watched it on Tubi, not bad. You know, it was, if I paid for it, I probably would have been more angry at the movie. Mm-hmm. 
if that makes sense. But overall, not my favorite Asylum movie, but not the worst Asylum movie I've ever seen. It's just in the middle for me. Mm. All right, Mike, come in here and shit on our parade. Uh, no, I'm actually going to keep it short. Uh, there's a reason I stopped covering Asylum movies uh, in the past. <laughs> if I would have known this was an Asylum movie coming into this, I would have vetoed it. Uh, if you are a fan of Asylum movies, uh, I mean, I get... To me, it was just in line with any other Asylum movie. It had all the negatives that I've said a hundred other times. Very few positives, if all to me i don't really feel the need to run them down for the hundredth time because i actually used to cover asylum pretty regularly because you know my old show did tv horror so we kind of did it and the reason we stopped i mean i don't have to run it all down we just got tired of covering it so it's been a while since i've seen one to me it's about in line with what i remember seeing given i mean granted it's been a while so maybe for you guys that like watch Asylum regularly, you see improvement. I see the same damn thing I've seen a hundred other times. It wasn't good. It was cheap. No effort to do anything outside of what they've been doing for years. Um, but if you like it, you like it. I mean, I, I don't really want to rag on it. Like I, I, you know, I didn't want to bring like a bullet list of things I don't like about it because it's like it's it's an Asylum film. It. I, I, it's like I would just be repeating myself. Um, it's just not for me. Never has been. And I, I like you know corny ass horror movies, but uh, yeah, Ghoulies too. As- Asylum's not it to me. I, I just, I, they feel like a very specific product, and I'm just not the target audience for it. it I, I don't see that there's much effort to make anything better than what they do and it's going on what a decade now and i just see the same thing over and over um uh, i mean if i i'm trying to think of like if i can give a specific thing about this movie i thought the ghosts were fucking horrible um <laughs> so yeah like no. i don't even know what like i don't even know what was going like I, I, I'm not a fan of CGI, but this looks straight up like someone got on like my laptop and like inserted the ghosts into it. Like I'm not gonna go as far as to say it's like Birdemic level bad, but no. this to me, I, I know you guys said like <laughs> that you saw improvement here. Maybe you just mean the movie itself because I thought like the actual ghosts or poltergeists or whatever were fucking worse. Not the the worst I've seen out of Asylum, but I have. I even remember back when I was covering Asylum, some of the shit looked better than this. So I don't know. I'm sure the budget varies movie to movie. It's probably not always the same, but uh, I don't, I, that I, sci-fi I don't think that shit looked any better than I've ever seen. Um, as I, far I, as the movie I'll, itself, I'll I guess the I'll, story was okay, but I'll say this in terms ahead, of John. I'll say this in terms of production value. I think this is actually better than what they did back during the sci-fi days. Yep. Yeah, there, there's a bigger scope and feel here than I can see from what they were doing on sci-fi. I mean, you compare the production value to this against even something like the first Sharknado or like the first two or three Mega Shark films. There's a much more, uh, there's a much grander scope here that 
I, I think you would have to be more of a fan to notice because I can see where it would come off looking very samey, like there's no real growth. But I think that there, it, I, I think me and Venom are because we're fans. I think we can tell that there is a noticeable mm-hmm. difference between these because I, I could say that this one looks way better and it looks. I, I, I wouldn't say high, that much higher. But I would probably guess, and I'm not that I'm not bad at guessing budgets. I would imagine during their heyday, the Sharknado films were probably around eighty to a hundred thousand. This one probably looks closer to about one fifty. I, I I don't know for sure, but I think this one looks way. This one it does look a little bit bigger. I, yeah, I, I mean, you can definitely tell that they're using better cameras. Like, well, whatever camera they're using here is even better than what they were using last year. Like I said, I watched three Asylum movies last year. And, you know, I, I mean, I can't vouch for the last time Mike watched one. And obviously, he's not a regular watcher of these. So, you know, he's just going to see the bad acting, the bad effects, and just chalk it up. Whereas, you know, those. Those of us who are actual fans who, you know, realize that this is going to be just schlocky nonsense going into it. I'm seeing the improvement. I'm seeing, I mean, like I said, the acting, I thought this was some of the better acting we've gotten out of the asylum. Is it good acting? No, of course not. But it was way better than anything I've seen in the last few years. Like I said, Aquarium of the Dead almost gave me brain cancer. It was so goddamn bad. But this... Like, I could almost watch this one again. I don't know that I ever will. Like, I, I mean, other than the Sharknado movies and maybe a couple of the multi-head shark movies, I don't generally re-watch Asylum films. Now, Sharknado, because I have the box set, you know, I, I periodically. And, and the thing is, is Mrs. Venom is also a fan of the Sharknado movies in an ironic way, you know, you know, for the cheesiness, not because either one of us thinks they're quote-unquote good movies. That's the thing about the asylum. Yeah, their target audience is not the general horror community. It's definitely a fan of, you know, people who like shot on video, who remember like 80s and 90s shot on video horror that we enjoyed. Um, You know, and of course, just people who like the schlockiness and just want to have fun. You know, I, you know, it, it sucks. I feel bad for Mike that, you know, he basically spent 90 minutes on this and probably hated every minute of it. Whereas I just had a fucking blast. I, I had a couple of beers, you know, maybe a, a, a little herbal uh, pleasure as well. And I just had a great time. I mean, because and like I said, it is that stamp at the beginning. The asylum presents when you see that. Prepare yourself. Just prepare yourself for one of the cheesiest weirdest movies of the year and um if you're not a fan of that there's nothing wrong with that mike obviously is not a fan of the asylum and again there's nothing wrong with that if mike wants to institute an asylum ban on fresh cuts i'm not gonna fight him because you know i you know i'm not gonna because i'm gonna watch him anyway yeah i'm watching yeah, had I known, I wouldn't have pushed for it either. So, I mean, I I, I have no issues at oh, all. Oh, I know. That. I, now I know what my picks are going to be for No More Room in Hell. Yes, Sharknado <laughs> two and four. Oh, <laughs> I did the good ones two and five. Oh, five headed shark attack. Let's do that one. <laughs> anyway, folks, like I said, obviously three of us here are more forgiving of the cheesy, schlocky horror, and you know, and there's nothing wrong with Mike not liking it. 
it's too bad because I, I, I genuinely think that this is the kind of movie where like if me, Derek and Don actually got together in the same place and watched this movie for the first time, we probably would have had a fucking blast. Whereas Mike would have been the, you know, the Debbie Downer in the corner, just, you know, wanting to watch Evil Dead again. And again, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, this movie's not for everybody. In fact, it's for very few people. And, you know, I will be the first one to admit it. Um, this is definitely not a movie for the general horror community. It is definitely a very niche market that's into these films. But the people that like these films just really enjoy them. We don't take them seriously. I'm not going to judge this against The Shining or The Exorcist. You know, they're not in the same ballpark remotely. Um, so, you know, all, I, all I'm saying is, you know, when I, when I see certain companies, you know, I, I'll take their movies with a grain of salt and just try to power through them if I can. And like I said, Aquarium of the Dead, I almost couldn't finish last year. And it wasn't even for a review. I just it was bored one day and it was on Tubi. So I figured, fuck it, I'll watch it. And I almost quit multiple times, but I, I got through it. Um, and then I ended up watching Ape vs. Monster a, a, a couple weeks later and having a decent time with it because Aquarium of the Dead was so bad. So, like I said, you, you got to find the silver lining where you can. And obviously for horror fans like Mike, there is no silver lining. For horror fans like the rest of us, it's all silver lining because we're not, like I said, we're not taking this movie seriously. Is this going to be in my top ten at the end of the year? Hell fucking no. Not remotely. Maybe. Um, but it's not going to be in the bottom ten either. Uh, at at, at least, the moment it is, just because I haven't seen too much. But, well, uh, yeah, only because you know, we're still in yeah. double-digit numbers for the year. But I, I, I'm figuring once I hit triple digits, it won't be in my bottom ten by any stretch. Hell, there's movies that have come out this year that are objectively better than Titanic 666, but I had such a bad time with them that I'll never watch them again. Stuff like Night's End. And um, uh, what else this year have we not enjoyed? Oh, right, Spine of Night. So, yeah, I mean, there's stuff, this, there's stuff that's come out this year that's objectively better, but I didn't enjoy them. So, you know, take that as you will. Take everything we say on this episode of the show with a grain of salt, folks, because... You're talking with you're talking with three asylum fans here and one hater, and that's okay. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Mike, did the asylum kill evil episodes? I meant to ask. <laughs> no, I mean not because it was it was still going after we stopped covering. I mean, Mon- monsters I, we, kill we, we evil. Ne- we never really like officially banned asylum. It just this was you got to remember back in kind of like the heyday. I think it was like because of the first Sharknado's success. Asylum was like putting out movies like very often on sci-fi and it got to the point where we were like, if we're going to cover the Asylum movie every single episode, it's just pushing out a lot of other stuff, too, because we didn't we didn't cover like, you know, multiple movies every episode. So it got to the point where like, okay, are we going to use our the time we do have to constantly cover Asylum? Because we kind of felt like a little obligation to only because we were a TV horror podcast so it was like well we can you know cover old stuff but asylums that you know they were actually putting out new stuff so we were constantly like should we keep doing this or not and eventually we're like there's just too many to cover we'd have to do it every episode so we kind of just unofficially were like we're not going to do it but it wasn't like a ban like we will never cover it again it's just we felt like we covered enough 
Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not going to argue with you, obviously. You you obviously don't like it, and that's fine. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Evil Episodes was your show. So if it was wearing on you, and I would never bump another movie to do an Asylum film. Not at all. Not unless it was one of the big franchises. If it was a Sharknado movie, maybe. But otherwise, nah, I'd find something else to talk about. And the same yeah, thing, and I mean, I don't think it, it wasn't like an executive decision by me where I was like, I don't want to do it. It was just the three of us. We kind of were, it's like, I think what ended up happening too is like, because at the time Asylum, I mean, I would still say there's somewhat of like you know, a factory as far as the kind of movies they make. But even, oh, yeah. but back then it was worse because it was so often that we started running into the thing where like, we're just pretty much saying the same thing about every single one. And it was like, do we just want to keep doing this the, over and over and over when there's so many actual horror TV out yes. there to cover? Oh, yeah, what? that was, yeah. Um, I think that was the, the first one. And then I think it was rise of the zombies was the second one. Yeah. I saw, uh, that was like one of the first ones I received a zombie apocalypse. And they were like, I was just, like being raped in this. I'm like, is it another zombie movie? Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, the one I, I actually kind of liked was an the army one of that the came dead right, ripped out, off the CG right after Sharknado was Ghost Shark. I thought Ghost Shark was actually decent. Yeah, Ghost Shark was decent. I, I enjoyed oh, it. Because first, I felt like the, the, the way the, they Shark. integrated the ghost abilities and the kills and all that stuff was pretty oh, cool. The first Ghost Shark is, all, I've always I've always said the first the Ghost Shark is better than the first Sharknado. Mm-hmm. But I, I still prefer Sharknado's two and four over Ghost Shark. I think those are the best of the franchise. Mm-hmm. But no, Mike, you're you're completely right. I agree with you on this one. The first Ghost Shark is better than Sharknado. Sure. So yeah, yeah. even yeah. even as a fan, I, even as a fan, I am saying that you're right in that one. Yeah. Ghost Shark as a movie is better than Sharknado one. You're completely even right. Even as Cold Duty. <laughs> You know, yeah, but, um, and but, like you know just to clarify, it's not that it's not that I don't like schlock because I do like my schlock in movies like something like a yeah, I know fucking serpent in the rainbow <laughs> and fucking shocker. Those aren't schlock. Yeah, I shocker is pretty schlock. Yeah, but I it was mean, meant I to be serious. It, it has a ghost dead girl that shoots a light out like a Care Bear. Granted, yeah, yeah. But still. Well, okay. Their initial intention I mean, like, is not schlock, is, I guess, my point. Because those are theatrical releases. You just you named off two theatrical releases that actually went for legit scares. Obviously, they both failed, miserably, but... Because Wes Craven's a schlocky director. Well, I think I, I think there was some nose candy involved with Serpent in the Rainbow, but I'll, I'll well, keep that I to mean, myself. Something that, something that was like purposely schlock, like a Shark Knight 3D... Or like a Thanks Killing, or like a Ooh, that movie yeah. Rubber, uh, that Rubber. Killer Sheet movie. I forgot the name of it. Black, oh, Black um, Sheet. Black Sheet. Yeah. Black Sheet. Like yeah. I can get down with schlocky horror. I just think Asylum's kind of like in its own category, just because of like they have a specific style. Did you ever and, see their uh, mockbuster of Halloween? Oh no. Oh oh um. Halloween night. Halloween. Halloween night, yeah. I, that, oh, that one's but, actually not that bad. That was it's, pretty it's fun. actually like better it. than the Rob Zombie movies. I mean, for a, I mean, I would imagine the Asylum could do a decent slasher. But there's not going <laughs> to be a whole. It's all and it's all practical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. If they did a whole movie practical, I, I mean, I've never seen Halloween night, but now I'm kind of interested. <laughs> it's actually really good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I good. saw it. A, yeah, I saw I'll it a couple it. Of years. It's before. October. I'll put yeah, it on my watch this problem. <laughs> That's where I watched it. Yeah, yeah. I watched it for Halloween. Yeah, it's actually really good. I like it. Yeah, and Derek yeah, is yeah, right. It's yeah. it's better than the Rob Zombie remake. 
<laughs> That's not well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> some of my general thoughts, so we can just move on. I mean, basically, what I'm getting at is like if if you to listeners, I mean, if you guys are in generally speaking fans of Asylum and what they do. I don't see this one like changing your mind about that either way, whether, you know, you're, this isn't going to make you love asylum. It's not going to make you hate asylum. It's pretty much in line with what asylum does. So that's like me just trying to be neutral on it, regardless of what I personally think. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit of the asylum is kind of a one note, but I, I really enjoy that note. So, <laughs> you know, I, I will unapologetically, you know, pronounce my love of the asylum, you know, it's, you know, I will never, ever say, and I, I've already said this like four times, but I'm going to say it again. I'll never, ever call these movies, quote unquote, good, quote unquote, well made, you know, well written, well directed. No, never. But are they fun as hell? In my opinion, yes. And obviously in a lot of other people's opinions, yes, because Sharknado got six movies. The multi-headed uh, shark series <laughs> got like, what, five or six, right? So I mean, was there like 15 heads at one point? Did they get the Did they get the double digit no, heads? No, two, no, two, three, five, and six. Okay, four. so four of them. Okay, so uh, still, I mean, that's that's a that's big enough to be a franchise for the asylum. So yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, ultimately, I I think the point that we're all trying to make is, you know, what you're in for with the asylum. Uh, if if you like it, you like it. If you don't, don't bother. You know, if you don't even like things like Sharknado, or um. You know the 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 multi-head shark attack movies, or, or even like Atlantic Rim, their Pacific Rim. <laughs> I mean, that movie is so bad that I laugh at every single goddamn scene, and it, it's such a good time. I ended up fucking buying it. I'm sorry. I end up again. I will die on this hill. I, these movies are so bad that they're fun, and you know, like I said, I will I will defend that stance to the end. <laughs> yeah, I've actually haven't seen the that one. I I've seen the sequel, um, Atlantic Rim Resurrection or Uprising. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I've seen the sequel to that one. That one is actually really good too. I just like watching these movies to see what actors like get in them. Like like Atlantic Rim has Graham Greene in them. Like how the what the fuck were you doing, Graham Greene? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great. Oh God. <laughs> you know. And like, actually. But, for fans of Mystery Science Theater on season 13, or no, season 12 of Mystery Science Theater, they actually do Atlantic Rim. So check that episode out. It just makes the movie even funnier. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been meaning to watch that one. <laughs> yeah, anybody with Netflix, it should be on Netflix for you. Seasons 11 and 12, I believe, are on Netflix. And it's it's an early season 12 episode, but yeah. Oh man, the asylum. I that that was a that was a company that I wish Mystery Science Theater would do more often. But I know the asylum themselves didn't really want to be lampooned all the time. So you know they gave their permission for Sharknado because they were live events. But then, as far as like the you know the downloadable ones, they've only done a couple others. Um, like I said, uh, Atlantic Rim is one of them. I can't think of what the other one is, but yeah. And then they did Sharknado 1 and 2. They were supposed to do Sharknado 3 live, but the Asylum put the kibosh on that. So, you know, at least we got the first two Sharknados riffed live, and they are epic. Two of my favorite uh, uh, riff tracks slash Mystery Science Theater episodes ever. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure Mike is uh, doesn't really want to talk general thoughts too much more. Uh, Don, Derek, anything else you want to add before we get into spoilers? No. Just, like that, oh, go ahead. 
<laughs> no, I was just going to say just that uh, one little bit I was going to bring up about the uh, plot line, but I'll save that for spoilers. There you go. Derek? No, I was going to say, like I said, it's the midsummer of the asylum. Just go yep. see it, people. <laughs> it's 13 ghosts on a boat, just not nearly as good. And I mean either 13 ghost movies, because I like the original and the remake. Yeah, I'm that guy, so whatever. All right, folks, here we go. That's your final spoiler warning. I can't imagine there's that many people listening to us right now that are actually going to run out and watch Titanic 666. So here we go. Uh, This will be a quick one. I'm not going over this scene by scene. I'm sure Mike (laughs) wants to forget about this movie as soon as possible. So let's just do a quick rundown. Oh, I love it. That's your next birthday present. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our movie opens up with a cold open of the original Titanic sinking. The boat is already sinking. We see people falling into the water, blah, blah, blah. We see um, one final survivor getting off the boat and getting onto a lifeboat by themselves. They are, you know, obviously freezing in the water, and then something comes up out of the water and grabs them. At first, it looks like a zombie. You only see it very, very briefly, so I actually thought we were in for a zombie movie. It like they were going to start a DiCaprio. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's an exact rip-off of uh, Jack and Rose. <laughs> oh, I love it. He's pissed off because there was plenty of room on that piece of wood for him. Shit, Rose is just a selfish bitch. That's all it was. Anyway, so uh, that's our cold open, basically. The, that you know, The thing that looks like a zombie comes out of the water and grabs that final survivor from the original Titanic. And then we are thrust into current uh, or present day where we see the Titanic 3 going on its maiden voyage, and in their infinite (laughs) wisdom, they decided to take the exact same path as the original Titanic. What could go wrong? Sort of like what they did in Titanic 2, actually, for those that are keeping track, because they did the exact same thing. Oh, jeez. In Titanic 2... In Titanic 2, yeah. um, I don't know if it's actually canonically sequel... canonic with this one because I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember that it was um, the 100th anniversary to the day where they replicated the liner and set sail on the exact same course as a memorial, and then something happened and the ship sank again. And that was an Asylum movie too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they didn't learn their lesson, apparently. Fuck it. Let's go ahead and make saying, a third Titanic and that's what I'm saying. the that's, exact that's same the, That's what I'm saying. That's the joke with it being called Titanic 3 is that it's actually... <laughs> I don't know if it's canonically sequel to that one, but that one was Titanic 2. Yeah, it makes sense. Titanic 3, yeah. So I'm saying like that kind of, I'm just making a little thing about it. I don't know if it's canonically, se- if it's a canonic sequel or not, but that's sort of a little in-joke there. It was actually pretty hilarious. I hear you. All right. So <clears throat> we get, uh, we're introduced to a few characters. We're introduced to a, a couple of influencers who are on the ship, you know, with their camera and, uh, basically taking videos, you know, uh, be it TikTok or Instagram, whatever the fuck it is. They never really mention any social media yeah. by name. Uh, obviously, you might get sued, especially now. Elon Musk might sue you if you use Twitter. So, yeah, don't do that. Uh, we see these folks kind of, you know, and they're th- th- your basic vapid caricatures of, you know, real world influencers, you know, basically in love with their camera uh, they're completely different people when the camera's on. When the camera's off, you know, they kind of show their true colors. And then as soon as the camera comes on, they basically are in character, which, you know, kind of makes them shitty people to begin with. But because I actually know a few influencers in real life and know that they actually do kind of act like that, 
it didn't bother me in the movie. It almost seemed realistic because, like I said, I know a couple, and that's exactly how they are. When the camera comes on, they're a whole other person. You know, they're they're a whole different personality for the camera. You know, for their YouTube channel or whatever it is. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're introduced to a salvager, uh, an English person. Who the hell is this? Uh, Professor Cochran. Yes, Hal Cochran. He is basically <laughs> the man who discovered the Titanic. He's the James Cameron of this movie, uh, who went down to the Titanic and basically took, basically raped the ship of its treasures. I mean, uh, you know, uh, silverware, uh, plates, clothing a violin the, the the actual violin that the that the the violin player was playing as the ship went down blah 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 which actually leads to a plot point here in a little bit but i'll leave that alone and then we are introduced to adina adina bess uh she is this redhead girl who when we first meet her she already looks like a ghost she's wearing like an like an 18th century dress and she's pale as shit but no, she's not a ghost. She's just a regular old person um, who obviously, and unfortunately, I have to say, she was the worst actress in the movie for me. Now, to, to say that someone is the worst actress in an Asylum movie isn't, I, I guess that's kind of a really shitty insult, but uh, she was just hamming it up throughout a lot of scenes where she was trying to show emotion, but it just came off as funny. So yeah, too bad there. Mm. Pretty girl, though, you know, redhead, pale, very Irish looking. So, you know, there's that. Uh, And then we're introduced to a couple other, you know, people around the ship. One guy who's interested, a millionaire who's interested in buying artifacts from the Titanic. Apparently, these Titanic artifacts are not supposed to be sold. They are like property of the state or whatever. Um, So, but um, Professor Cochran along with a, you know, implanted security guard there on the boat actually are kind of uh, plotting to sell some of these items and, you know, make off with the money, blah, blah, blah. And throughout the movie, we see Cochran offer uh, offer various people items from the Titanic, like, would you like to own a piece of, you know, history, blah, 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 you know, which is obviously incredibly illegal, blah, blah, blah. So, and, uh, so basically, our first major plot point is our bloggers are basically, you know, our influencers are going around the ship. They're not following the rules. They're going into parts of the ship that they're not supposed to go into. Like they actually go deep into the bowels of the ship when, you know, no guests are supposed to be down there. And what they end up running into is our little Irish redhead girl, uh, Adina, uh, performing some kind of ritual. Um, <laughs> I hate to say it, terrible ritual. I like the, the the chants that she was doing were just awful. Like I said, unfortunately, she's the low point of the movie for me. As as cute as she was, and as a pivotal as pivotal a role as she had in this story, she was just like the weakest point of this movie for me. Which is you know hard to pick out in an asylum movie, admittedly. But there it is. Um, she is performing some kind of ritual. Uh, she ends up uh, stealing one of the hairpins that's in the display, that's in display in the museum part of the ship where they're showing off items from the original Titanic. Uh, She ends up stealing a hairpin, pretty nice looking hairpin, like one of those old, you know, cool ones with like mother of pearl inlay, blah, 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 really cool looking. And um, she ends up taking that and cutting her hand with it. Um, And she's pouring blood on a picture, a framed picture on the ground and then after, a, you know, after a couple of minutes of the influencers kind of recording this and somehow 
not being caught because I mean, they're literally having like a normal conversation volume level of, of, of a conversation. Like they're just talking like normal people. They're in the same room as this, you know, mysterious redhead performing this ritual, but she doesn't hear them at all. So, okay, <laughs> whatever. I'll allow it. Um, what ends up happening is she's, um, she ends up uh, conjuring a spirit and uh, the spirit, as it turns out, is the captain of the original Titanic, Cap- uh, Captain Bess. Um, and as it turns out, he is Adina's great grandfather. Yes, Adina had a plan the entire time. She obviously is very upset with Hal Cochran for bringing up all these items from the ship because they should be in their final resting place. They should, you know, it's basically grave robbing. She kind of looks at it as grave robbing. You're taking items from the dead that should be left alone. Um, So she, like I said, she conjures up the captain of the original Titanic. And, you know, that's when we get the reveal that it's her great grandfather because she addresses him as such. They have some kind of weird interaction where they touch hands and some kind of blue like mist um, is kind of exchanged between them. And then, you know, uh, the captain kind of disappears and Adina, you know, suddenly has like a different look on her face. You know, she she's uh, got a sly smile. She's just acting a little bit different. So I think we kind of understand what's going on at this point. And then at this point, ghosts just start showing up like we don't have to wait long after the ritual. Like as soon as she's done with the ritual, uh, we start seeing random ghosts throughout the ship. We see like a ghost, um, like a serviceman who usually works down in the bowels of the ship. We see one of those. Uh, We actually do end up getting the violin player. Uh, He does show up. And he actually has this cool ability, which, you know, again, it's not going to work for everybody because it looks kind of silly where he's kind of playing his uh, his violin in a very screechy way to the point where um, his victims just kind of pass out and die. I don't know if they're dying from like burst eardrums or exploding brains or whatever the hell. But, yeah, they just kind of keel over and die. It looks silly, admittedly, but, you know, for whatever it's worth, I, I kind of dug it. I, I, it kind of reminded me, I don't know, I, I can't, I, I don't know if Mike saw this, but I'd like to think Derek and Don have, but if you guys remember the minstrel assassins from Kung Fu Hustle, Mr. Yeah. Gold and Mr. Silver, remember they, they yeah. played, I, I thought, wow, this violin guy would make a perfect, like, uh, a three-piece to go with the, with Mr. Gold and Mr. Silver. <laughs> they could just I go around. Of it. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a pretty cool pull. I, I like that, yeah. That would be yeah. kind of interesting. Because those characters from Kung Fu Hustle, I, like, they're my favorite villains in the movie. I am a musician, and the thought of being able to play a certain note that'll actually, like, project a spectral sword at someone is just fucking awesome, in my opinion. So, yeah, so I just thought I, that was what I instantly thought of. I'm like, oh, shit, Mr. Gold and Mr. Silver, rock on. So, yeah, there you go. Um so, uh, you know, people start getting picked off. First, our male influencer gets picked off. His wife is, you know, distraught looking for him. Uh, she ends up getting picked off right away, right after the husband, by the same ghost, the uh, the violin player. Um, or at least we think the violin player is the one who took the husband, because all we really see is a pair of arms come out of the mist and grab the husband, you know, in, in, into the mist, and he just kind of disappears. Um, and we never really see him. Well, we never see him alive again, the rest of the movie. So, and then literally minutes later, um, his wife ends up getting taken out again 
by the violin ghost, but this time it's caught on video because, like I said, they pretty much live on camera as influencers. So the captain of the ship, um, a couple of members of the security, and then, like I said, the kind of double agent security guard that kind of looks like uh, Derek Mears a little bit. Tall, bald. Um, yeah. I was thinking him or the dude that was in fucking Fringe, the bald-headed Okay, FBI. yeah. Yes, I'll go with that. And I actually thought this guy was FBI for a little bit. Like, when they introduced him, it felt very cloak and dagger because the ship already had a security team. And out of nowhere, right before they took off, the captain basically introduced him as additional security. And then, you know, obviously we find out later on in the film that he's actually a double agent working with uh, Cochran, trying to sell these items and basically just get out of the country with all the money, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that doesn't work out. But of course, it's a horror movie. So we know this. Um, More, you know, more set pieces, more ghostly set pieces. We get a woman um, who's wearing a necklace that was found on the original Titanic. Um, she, she, basically she's just trying it on. Like, um, one of the members of the team on the Titanic three, let her like wear it. Um, and then the original owner, if you will, at least that's how I look at it. The original owner of that necklace, the the spirit of the original owner just kind of shows up and is incredibly pissed off, obviously at this old woman. And she basically does the choke kill where she makes the necklace, you know, tighten around the old woman's neck until it just basically chokes her to death or slits her throat, basically, to the point where her head is almost like a Pez dispenser. That one didn't look great, unfortunately. Um, Again, not to, you know, the the, the CGI around the neck uh, where the where the necklace was choking her. eh, Not great. I mean, if you don't pause it and concentrate on it, maybe you can accept it. But it doesn't look great, like I said. Um, More, you know, more ghostly set pieces uh, we get. Uh, we get a crew member end up getting decapitated down in the bowels of the ship um, with one of those, like, uh, valves, one of the valves yeah. like, to release steam. It basically pops off of one of the pipes and just takes his head completely off. Again, not a great-looking effect, unfortunately, but, you know, you get you, you kind of get what you expect with this one, as far as effects go, anyway. Um, what else do we get? We get some cool... Um, Oh man, does anybody else remember any other kills? I'm trying to think. Um, I'm not not the not the the one at the end though. Obviously, we're saving that one. But uh, as far as like guests, uh, not really. Oh, right. yeah. was, well, we get one. We get one security guard. The black security guard. Didn't he get like a? Yeah, because he's the one that dies in the brig. Because he's right. the one. Yeah, because yeah, he's yeah, the one yeah, that yeah, gets. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, gets shot by accident. Yeah, he's the one that gets shot, but I'm saying is that... Yeah, because I don't think nothing else really happens until the the girl comes back, comes onto the bridge and drives exactly. the ship. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember much else after, at that point. Yeah, exactly. So pretty much, like Don said, at this point, Adina, our main antagonist, or our main human antagonist, if you will, uh, suddenly has control of the ship somehow. And it's, you know, she's obviously channeling her great grandfather um, because at one point the captain of the Titanic three actually starts talking to Adina as the captain of the original Titanic. And she's trying to beg him, you know, don't, 
don't do what you're planning. And what is the plan? Well, the plan, of course, is to emulate exactly what happened with the original Titanic. Run it into an iceberg. uh, Yeah, (laughs) run it into because it's such an original plan, of course. So, yeah, basically trying to scuttle the ship. So, we, you know, like I said, we get a scene where the current captain is kind of begging the the last uh, the, the captain of the original who is you know kind of in the body of Adina kind of controlling her basically begging her to not scuttle the ship and then she starts kind of um, begging her basically telling her you're the only person who can stop this no one else can stop this please don't kill you know thousands of people just because of a revenge plot just because you're upset. And then she kind of turns around and says, you know, you're right. I am the only one who can stop this. And she takes the hairpin from earlier and slits her own throat in what is probably <laughs> the most uh, impressive effect in this film. Like that that throat slit. Yes, it's very obviously CGI. Duh. But it really looks good. Like compared to all the other CG kills in the film, the decapitation, uh, the, the necklace choke, all of it. That was impressive looking. So, you know, kudos to the Asylum again for for that one. I mean, at least they gave us one really cool visceral kill that you didn't roll your eyes at. You know what I mean? So, you know, kudos there. So, of course, at this point, the boat has already been set to autopilot or whatever the boat version of that is. Um, It is going right into the iceberg. Adina is now dead. There's no one that can stop the boat. At this point, the captain makes the decision to evacuate, getting everybody onto the lifeboats. And then we basically get the same scene from the from the opening, the cold open, which was a scene from the original Titanic sinking. Mm -hmm. We basically get a carbon copy of that. Um, We see people running around the ship trying to get into lifeboats, you know, women who have been separated from their husbands and they're crying, looking for them, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know. More people start getting taken out. Uh, We end up seeing, and then, and this is one of the cooler decisions that I actually do like about the film. We start seeing the spirits of people that have been killed in the course of the movie. So we actually see the influencers in their ghost form going after like Cochran because he was, you know, they kind of look at Cochran as being responsible for all this because, you know, he's the one who, you know, went down and took all these items out of the sunken Titanic. Um, so, you know, we, we get cool scenes with, um, you know, the influencers coming back and taking people out. We get a cool scene with the Derek Mears lookalike security guard where he gets killed by a spirit, but then he gets up almost instantly and he is now a spirit and he basically makes a lifeboat fall from the ceiling, basically a lifeboat from the original Titanic that they had restored and put in the museum. They hung it from the ceiling that ends up falling on the curator of, you know, um, I forget the woman's name. She's like a little short haired brunette. She's like the curator of all the items that are in the museum. Like she's handling all them for uh, Professor Cochran. She ends up getting squished by this lifeboat in what is not a great looking scene. There's not even any blood. That's unfortunate. Like, how do you crush someone with a lifeboat and not even a little bit of a blood splat? Like nothing at all. So, yeah, a little disappointing once again. But what are you going to do? Oh, man. So basically, you know, the ship is sinking deeper and deeper. More people are falling into the water. We get the scene that we get in every Titanic movie where the boat kind of turns upwards and people are sliding off the deck of the boat into the water. You know, it's a pretty common thing to see in a Titanic movie. 
um, until finally the boat is completely submerged. I have no idea how many people survived this because they don't yeah. really show lifeboats getting off the Titanic three and kind of sailing off or anything. Um, basically what we get is we get almost like an outro to the movie where basically um, Professor Cochran is in a lifeboat by himself. So obviously you could tell he's a selfish dick. I mean, we already knew he was a selfish dick before, but when he was supposed to be helping people get into lifeboats to get him off the boat, he instead takes a whole lifeboat to himself and gets off the boat like a selfish prick. So um, he starts to hear something kind of swimming towards him in the water, which kind of emulates what we saw in the cold open where the girl is seeing a hat kind of float towards her. And then she goes and picks up the hat. And that's when the zombie slash ghost kind of jumps out of the water and grabs her. So obviously that's what we're all expecting as the movie viewers were expecting something to jump out of the water and grab Cochran. Um, unfortunately, it's the captain. It's legitimately the captain. She swims up to the lifeboat that he's in. He does pull her into the lifeboat. And then, you know, they have a kind of a short conversation where he admits that, no, I didn't really, I, I tried to help people get on the lifeboats, but I didn't really. Um, I think he says something along the lines of it's not in my nature to be helpful. Um, and then he starts talking about how he can't believe the one person who was responsible for all this horror is still alive, that he survived. And the captain, you know, basically agrees with him, says, yeah, I can't believe you survived either. And then out of nowhere, he dies. <laughs> I guess the exposure just got to him. Obviously, you know, he was shivering the entire time he was in the lifeboat. Obviously, they're in fucking ice cold water with icebergs around, so... Um, and he basically dies. Um, the captain starts to kind of, you know, show a little bit of emotion for this piece of shit. And then just as she kind of reaches over to make sure that he's dead, he pops back up in his ghost form, you know, with the black eyes and the big ass mouth. Uh, that was one thing I wanted to say, man. The, the ghosts in this movie are um, incredibly oral. Like, they all have gigantic mouths that open, you know, way... I guess that's the shtick for the movie, that, you know, the, the ghosts can open their mouths that wide to look real creepy. But after a while, it does look pretty silly. Especially, um, and I have to point it out, um, the female influencer, when her ghost comes back, that is probably the worst-looking ghost in the whole movie. It is just so bad. And they focus on her, too. Like, they leave the shot on her for, like, a few seconds... And it, it, it's almost like they're advertising how bad their CG is when they really could have done what they did earlier in the film, like with the captain, when he first shows up, that's not CG, that's practical. Um, like Don mentioned, the, the ghost in the uh, brig is uh, practical. This is going to be interesting. Um, mm. And uh, so, like I said, the limitations of the CGI really shine through in the third act with all the new, all the newer ghosts coming out. But ultimately, like I said, it's, it's, it's the asylum. I mean, what can we say? You know, I, I know Mike is probably sick of hearing us say that, that, you know, that you know what you're going to get with the asylum and he has every right to be sick of hearing it because you never know what you're going to get with the asylum. Well, I think you did. <laughs> I think most people nah, did. Not really a fair analogy there, Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, there it is, folks. Titanic 666, 2022. 90-minute um, you know, in duration. Uh, you can watch it for free on Tubi. I don't know if that's really 
going to get anybody to go watch it just because you can watch it for free. Because ultimately, even if even though it's free, you're still losing 90 minutes of your life. So it, 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 like I said, if you have even the slightest inclination that you're not going to like this movie, just avoid it. There, there's so much great stuff out there to watch. Even theatrically, you know, there's a couple of things out in theaters right now that's really cool, depending on what city you're in. So, yeah, I it, it does not get a strong recommend from me unless you are an Asylum fan. And if you are, then I say absolutely check it out. It is easily, as far as actual production value and performances and things like that, like to me, it's easily a top three to five uh, Asylum film. You know, um, it's not my favorite by any stretch, but it, I would say top three to five uh, for me. It, it's just, you know, and I'm just trying to be objective here with, you know, when you compare it to other Asylum movies, you know, and that's all I'm comparing it to is other Asylum movies, ultimately, because um, if I compare it to pretty much anything else, it, it's going to, you know, it's going to drop down. So, you know, take the movie with a grain of salt. Try to have some fun. Maybe get drunk beforehand. It might make more sense to you that way. I don't know. At the very least, I think you'll have a better time with it. Poor Mike. Too bad he couldn't have gotten wasted before watching it. I, I know it's not probably something that, you know, because I know I don't do it when it's a movie for a podcast. Like, I don't want to get too wasted and try to take notes and try to remember plot points and things like that. But this is definitely a movie that needs some inebriation, at least a little. <laughs> so that's it for me, Mike. I, I don't think I have anything else I could possibly say about this film. <laughs> Well, the one thing I, I was going to bring up, I, I the one, yeah, the one thing I was going to bring up is I, I think the way that they, the ghosts interact here is kind of cut between two different films. It seems as though the initial idea is, is that they're going after the, the, you know, they're going after the curator for stealing the artifacts, but then he's never really the target that they're going after if that's their goal. It just seems more like they're trying to get anyone that they're after, yep. you know, anyone that they could anyone that they can find. So they never really put him in danger. If he's the one that they're going after because he stole the artifacts, he should have been the first victim. And then the rest of the film is their rampage to try to get back every single piece that he sold off. Sure. Sure. But there's also the mentality of letting him live and letting him suffer through the majority of everything just for him to die at the end. It's almost poetic justice. I mean, yeah, they yeah, could have taken him out quick and you know, that would have been satisfying. But I'm saying is that if, you know, he's never brought down by their hands. So why would they not do anything themselves? Valid, valid. But, you know, obviously, as it was their plan to take to scuttle the whole boat anyway, they probably assumed everyone on this ship is going to die regardless. I mean, that's what Adina was saying the whole movie. Everyone on this ship's going to die. No one's going to no one's ever getting off this boat, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, if the spirits legitimately believe that they're not in a hurry to take out their main focus, you know, have some fun yeah. with them. You know, I mean, Jason, Michael Myers, Freddie, they all do it. They tend to have fun with their victims. They don't take them out the instant that they run into them. Sometimes they do. Yes, admittedly. But for the most part, I mean, that's part of what makes a great slasher is the stalking. It's the killer stalking their victims, stalking their prey. And even though we don't really get a lot of great stalking scenes in this movie, I can kind of see why the main antagonist, uh, well, not really antagonist, but the main douchebag of the film kind of made it to the end, um, especially with the fact then that he then takes out the captain, who is a completely innocent person. So I, ultimately, I think the spirits are probably happy with their, you know, with what they did. They got the job done. 
like I said, they don't show us any survivors. They don't show us any lifeboats filled with people sailing away. So you can make the assumption that everyone did die, especially because the boat, uh, the ship that was coming to rescue them was still like almost an hour away when like the shit hit the fan. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you can make the assumption that they all died and that, you know, Captain, uh, you know, the great grandfather of Adina got what he wanted. You know, you, it, there's even a great shot too. Like, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the very last shot, um, where the boat is going down, like the last shot of the boat above the surface, you actually see the ghost of the captain in, in the, um, in the bridge. I thought that was a cool shot. Like you really got to look hard, but he's standing there. So yeah. I, I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, ah, what are you going to do? Like I said, folks, grain of salt, take everything we said today with a grain of salt and make your own decision. And don't get mad at us if you watch it and hate it, because we're telling you right now, most of you will probably hate this. So, you know, do with that. I warned you, by the way. I warned you, (laughs) listeners. So, oh Uh, yeah, Mike is gonna be. You know, Mike speaks for the majority on this one. I'll fully admit, the majority of horror fans are not gonna gravitate towards asylum films. So, you know, I'll I'll happily be part of the minority on this one, and and I'll happily second that. <laughs> I'll go. third it. Fuck him. <laughs> fuck, fuck Mike Merriman. Fuck him. <laughs> Outvoted three to one. It's a good movie. Go see it. There you go. <laughs> mm. I knew joining the podcast for majority. I'm reasons. not even on any side. I'm on the side of it's an asylum movie. You've seen them before. You know what to expect. So it's on you. <laughs> yep. That's all I really got to say. Mike's gonna start an anti-asylum slash Marvel fucking <laughs> slash Marvel slash Disney. <laughs> um, I'm okay with Disney. Well, some of Disney, I guess. Yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> I mean, Disney covers so much. It's hard. It, it would be hard to just be anti-Disney. Granted, though, I do know a lot of people that are anti-Disney, like very hardcore anti-Disney. Like they'll actually research, and if like the the company is like, if like one of the production companies is like a subsidiary twice removed from a potential Disney child company yeah they literally will just boycott it so mike's not nearly as bad as some of the people i know definitely (laughs) i'll give you that (laughs) yeah um all right well i think that's gonna do it for the discussion on titanic 666 but uh we're gonna let everyone else or we're gonna let everyone know where they can more hours so (laughs) well It'll be four more hours of me doing something else. So, uh, (laughs) Venom, what do you got out that's new? All right. Well, the newest is going to be Creature Comforts Episode 8. It is out out today. Um, uh, Let's see. We have our first returning guest on the show, Mr. Bo Ransdell from the Dark Parade and other Legion podcasts, uh, making his return trip to discuss 1997's The Relic, starring Penelope Ann Miller and Tom Sizemore. Um, A really, really fun episode that we actually got to practice once for some reason that you'll find out (laughs) if you listen to the show. Um, I'm kind of sick of talking about it, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore here. Anyway, uh, let's see. Obviously, the main show, No More Room in Hell, will record its latest episode this coming Sunday. I imagine it would be out shortly after that. We'll be looking at my picks, and uh, this time I decided to look at a couple of spring break horror films. 
one of them kind of obvious and then the the other one a little bit more obscure. Uh, the obvious one, of course, is going to be The Ruins, which, you know, big theatrical movie from the late 90s, early 2000s. I forget the exact year, but 2009. Whoa. Wow. I was way off. Okay, I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah. Late 90s. Damn. I might be thinking about The Relic again. All right, so yeah, so we're doing The Ruins, and then we are also doing, out of Spain, uh, a found footage film called Atrocious, which is a film that I saw years ago when it was brand new, um, that I really, really liked, that no one was talking about at the time. But again, it's Spanish, it's found footage, it's probably not something that American horror fans are going to gravitate towards, so... Um, but it was something that I enjoyed. I have not rewatched it for the show yet, so let's see if my opinion changes on that. Like I said, that'll be recorded this coming Sunday, and all three of us are here. Mike, Derek, and myself, we're all here, so, um, you know, your whole main show crew is with you here on Fresh Cuts. Uh, and let's see, uh, guest spot on... I did two guest spots on Cinema Beef recently. Uh, both of them were for Christopher Guest movies. If any, for anyone who doesn't know, I absolutely love the Christopher Guest mockumentary films, um, you know, starting with Spinal Tap, even though Spinal Tap is technically a Rob Reiner film, it did kind of inspire Christopher Guest, who was a star in the film, to continue, you know, the, the trend of mockumentaries, going into Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration, just some absolute classics out there. I was able to join Cinema B for Waiting for Guffman, which admittedly is not one of my favorite Christopher Guest movies, but... If you listen to the show, you'll hear more about why. And then uh, I also was able to guest on the Best in Show episode, which is one of my favorite Christopher Guest mockumentaries. And again, if you listen to that episode, you'll absolutely know why. So check both of those out. I'm pretty sure the first episode on Waiting for Guffman is available now. Um, the next episode for Best in Show will be released shortly. And they're even recording as we speak they are recording their review of A Mighty Wind, which was, you know, Christopher Guest's look at folk music. So look out for those episodes. And that's it for me, Mike. All right, Don, how about you? All right. As uh, mentioned, Creature Comforts with uh, episode eight on the Relic uh, is available. Um, latest episode of my show, The Horror Countdown. I had a, a friend of mine from one of the uh, podcasts I promote on to uh, do our favorite horror comedies, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I'm pleased to say that the uh, long-promised and uh, essentially uh, multi-time delayed record uh, guest spot on uh, the House That Screams podcast is finally recorded. Um I still haven't heard back on uh, editing um, for when it's released. I think it is, it, like I said, it's in the editing stage. So it should be out either next week or the week after. I'm not sure their schedule, but um, it, it's recorded and uh, in the processes of being edited. So you'll hear that soon enough. I joined them to look at uh, Suspiria. So that was that was a uh, lot of fun. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on. So, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Derek, and then, uh, what about you? Oh, sorry, I thought you were Don. Don. Yeah, don't cut Don off. What the fuck, Mike? <laughs> no, I was gonna say um, I'll let Derek do uh, his guest spot. Um, so, yeah, that, that I was done, but I was just gonna say I'll let Derek talk about uh, his connection to a guest spot. What, what guest? <laughs> You're. Sh- 
I released your episode last week. Oh, no, okay, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> I forget. Yes. I thought I was a stoner. What the hell? I'm going to sleep here. All right. So, uh, Cinema Attack. Uh, should we have um, sometime this week, I think, where we just recorded an episode on, on the ritual and no one gets out alive? which was a fun conversation. A short show where we just kept a nice and breezy two movie reviews to get us back in the groove of things. Should be back with more episodes of that soon. Of course, No More Room in Hell, Creature Comforts. Look out for those. And, uh, yeah, from our guest spots, uh, had a guest on The Dark Parade with Mr. Bo Ransdale did My Bloody Valentine. And, of course, Mr. Don and Ellie on the Horror Countdown, we talked about our top ten favorite British horror films. There you go, Don. I got you. Thank you. (laughs) Like I said, I'll let you cover that one. uh... (laughs) And, oh, yeah, before we leave, I got one more thing I got to share for the audience. Uh Uh-oh. That'll make them happy. Don't do it. He did it. Drive the girls wild. Sexy boy. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Uh, Are we going back to the theater? Is there still another week before something hits? Uh, Yeah, still another week. And then we're going to have to kind of wrestle with what we do next week. Because we got Firestarter and the sadness dropping on the same day. I know you already know where my vote is going, so... Uh, that's not really much of a decision to me. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to see Firestarter. It is, I actually really, really like the original Firestarter, even with all its flaws. So I am interested in this one, so I will see it. So I, at the very least, we'll talk about it on the main show, maybe during what we've been watching. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we're all leaning towards the sadness. <laughs> well, I mean, if anything, if there isn't a theatrical release the week after, we can push Firestarter that week. But I, I think May's going to be pretty busy because I think there's a lot of stuff. There is between there is like a couple else. theatrical yeah, releases and I think, VOD. Hat- I think, I think stuff gets bunched up together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Hatching comes out this month, and there's huh. one more big one. Um, I saw Hatching this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it got its theatrical release this weekend, and obviously it's probably only playing in like all of three cities, but L.A. was one of them, so I got to see it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I should reserve I... my judgment in case we do end up doing it here. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I'm saying I think Hatchet comes out this month, and... Um... A24's Men comes out on the Oh, 20th. Men! I just wonder yeah. how wide a release it's going to be. Is it, is it like a prequel to Two and a Half Men? Oh, God. <laughs> I hope not. I really, really fucking hope not. Cause I, I think that it'll be wide enough to come up here because we've been getting trailers for it in the theater. Oh, absolutely. That's so. a national release. That's going to be in at least a couple thousand theaters. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're fine with that one, especially with the success of some uh, everywhere, everything. Um, A24 is going to start getting more screens. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So hatching, sadness, men and then. Firestarter, if somewhere, there isn't yeah, something somewhere better, there. I guess. So, I mean, that pretty much gives us the four weeks of May, not uh, counting. You, you just named all my girlfriend. Me. But the best part about May is it's my birthday. So, fuck you, Mike. Hey. Nice. This week, actually. Yeah. Happy birthday, Derek. Happy birthday, bud. 
Yeah. Yeah. No happy birthday, right. Mike? Fuck no, you. Mike doesn't do birthday. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. I thought figure two were enough, but happy If you birthday. don't listen to the main show, folks, this is what you're missing. Derek and Mike, <laughs> lovely banter. He's like arch nemesis. <laughs> All right, well, with that said, that's going to end this episode of Fresh Cuts. We will be back in a week's time with something to cover. And uh, I guess with that, with that, we'll say bye to the listeners. Bye. Later. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat, motherfucker. I'm fucking mermaid. Oh, yeah. I'm pulling this boat into the harbor and running down the dock. Boom. Ooh, Speed 2 reference, nice.